What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast, Mercer himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again. We're a brand new review. And today we're continuing the Disney Plus Star Wars exclusive series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we are in episode five, titled Part Five. And man, has this show gotten crazy, crazy good. I mean, I'm ecstatic to see where this concludes. And there's so many, not questions, but definitely ideas of where they're taking the show so let's start off all right so we begin here where anakin has flashbacks he has or should i say lord vader uh back when he was anakin of him and obi-wan and showing their bond so again even if you never watched the film the prequel trilogy you kind of get some context of how they know each other and who he was how he looked like before he became the monstrous dark lord of the sith so that we move on to the third sister, who is now the, uh, I guess the Grand Inquisitor, arrives at Vader's, and the tracker worked as she left on the Kenobi ship and Jabim. So they're now tracing them to Jabim, and she has now been granted officially the position of Grand Inquisitor by Vader himself and Neils to officially kind of like being knighted or dark knighted because you know they're evil. <laughs> so they head out to the path of Jabim. Obi-Wan and company arrive at a base that the Haja is already there at, and um, everyone they know that is attached to the path are all there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how Haja, this guy, was this dude that just kind of like gave him a hint of the right direction, even though he was trying to swindle and hustle them. And now he's there like, hey, once I gave information, I met that inquisitor that you crossed the paths with and I, I think she was sending me death threats because i was trying to help you out so i had to i had to dip and that's what he did he he hopped on a ship and left the world and went off world to here where they're all in hiding because now he's an accomplice because eventually they were going to track him down and shake him up down for information because let's let's be, let's be real here that's exactly what they're gonna do with a guy like we got like him especially with the mind reading and all that stuff he would have been easy pickings easy target so uh, they only have hours to evacuate before the Sith arrive because they already know the location and the Empire is arriving full force. So, with that being said, uh, Lola, the little robot droid that Leia has, has been hacked and is short-circuiting their security. Uh, their sister was messing with it and turned it on them. So, it's kind of like the little robot's blue eye turned red, signaling it's gone bad. You know, it's gone rogue. <laughs> So, there was the beginning of the story of this episode. Uh, Obi-Wan gives a grand speech to calm everybody down that we can defend ourselves against the Sith if we just unite together as a team because it's only stronger when we're together and separate. And he really builds up the morale of the group there because they're all not really fighters. A lot of them are just commoners who, some of them are Force-sensitive, but again, they're treating this similar to how... The ancient Egyptians were trying to find us, uh, Moses, like they're killing their firstborn son. So similar to that biblical story, that's how they're doing this whole thing with Vader. He's just taking out anybody that he deems strong enough with the Force. Like even the slightest Force sensitivities, people who are just in tune with themselves, not so much Jedi level, but anybody that can possibly be trained to become one before a rebellion starting. So he's got the right idea how to take out his enemies, take them before he, they can even like develop and evolve. 
So he's taking out anybody who he can sense a whiff of the force on them. So the grand speech was great. They have no choice but to defend a stronghold uh, long enough to escape in their escape ship. So that's a whole different thing, trying to get the hatch open because the planet or moon or whatever they're on is going to get demolished. So Leia opts to help by crawling up a ladder space that she, of course, little kid can fit through little small vents. And this is where uh, when Cal and Roken, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., is like, she's not going to go up there. She's 10 years old. She's a child. But Obi-Wan's like, hey, I trust a child with my life. If I can trust her, you can too. Get her a ladder so she can climb up there and do what she needs to do. She's got this. Because Leia, Leia is no ordinary 10-year-old. She's been through a lot. She's very mentally mature. Like, she is son of royalty. Like, she had to learn to self-survive in a world where she's constantly getting kidnapped and abducted by the enemy. So she's probably hardened to a lot of this because she's not acting like a typical 10-year-old in this circumstance. She's not freaking out by anything. She's like, all right, let's get this done. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like, kind of like Lady Marmoth from a Game of Thrones, same type of character. Like, so many similarities with those two. So we move here where Tala feels guilty for all the Jedi she's helped cunt down because she was essentially working for the Empire, even though she was kind of a mole, but she was still doing a deed. Like, even though you're an insider, you're still doing the evils so you don't blow your own cover. So she feels very guilty because she was an ex- accomplice to t- hunting down so many of her own people. Like, she was responsible for taking down fellow Jedi, and this is something she's got to live with. So... She feels guilty. She helped hunt them down because she didn't know they were going to all get executed. She thought they were going to get imprisoned. It was too late when that happened. So she lives with this, and that's why she is the way she is. So this is her her redemption arc where she's undoing all the bad she did for the Empire to kind of like make peace with her inner self. Uh, Bail Organa sends a call to see if everything's all right. Obi-Wan takes a call in private, even though he's underground somewhere helping these refugees because he has no... Heads up, Organa from Obi-Wan, like, where's my daughter? Is everything all right? And then he gives him a little pep talk of what's going on and kind of updates them on everything and where they're heading out to. So Vera and Obi-Wan have a conversation before they both sides duke it out, have a battle, big, epic battle. Kind of like the two generals meet up in the battlefield to talk it out one last time and just, you know, pay respects. And... It's a deep conversation because she was one of the younglings. You find out she was one of the younglings who survived Order 66. So she survived Order 66 and has lived with that guilt. Vera isn't trying to be part of Vader's inner circle, become a Sith. She's trying to take him down from the inside, similar to Tala is. So she is doing all this to get back at him. It's just vengeance. Pure Sith logic. Vengeance. She's powered by her own rage. And does that make her not a Jedi? No, of course it does make her a Sith because she's doing it out of vengeance and self. I mean, this whole thing has been one giant emotional wreck for her where she has not had control of her actions. She's driven and even her own Inquisitors are more logical than her, which is something more of a Jedi trait than a Sith trait because they're like, listen, there's no need for this full on like berserker mode like there's nobody here strong enough for us to even worry about where she's there like oh no no i'm taking make sure everything's all set and what she really was doing was training herself to be able to take down 
Vader because she can take down Jedi any Jedi that she's able to take down the the, <laughs> the Dark Lord uh, Sith himself. So we move on here, where uh, Vader's uh, getting ambushed. Mind you, Revva shows Vader the direction they're all heading out to this big epic battle. People are dying, and sadly. Tala does die and uh, she self-sacrificed by throwing a grenade and had a robot droid that she had like almost like a shield and they had to escape because the door was closing on them and we have casualties in both ends so it, again the tense to term Star Wars this isn't just something that's science fiction like you're going to get casualties on on, on a, both ends so Reva leads Vader in where, where they all have escaped to uh, and then she tries to ambush him, but he uses the force push. He literally deadasses uses the force push to keep her at bay. Like he's just toying with her. That's how strong this man literally, as they were escaping the ship, forced brought the ship down, this big ship where everyone fits and just brought it down and, and tore its hull. But luckily, apparently that was a decoy ship because there was another ship that came out of it, almost like an escape pod that they were ready to leave and they were able to escape and then this is where we have uh the epic battle between reva and and invader and, and like her plans are being revealed invader always suspected her of being this way and they had this great battle like she has a double set of lightsaber and vader like force grabs it and splits in half so there's two lightsabers like got an equal duel here and then in the end she gets stabbed by vader and almost left her dead and then you see the actual grand inquisitor coming he's alive like didn't he just get impaled by her in the previous episodes well apparently uh reva didn't die either but he didn't die because um i don't know if he explained it the sith are are so full of rage that just a simple stab wound will not kill them because their their anger will feel them to live and fight them. That's some epic badass shit right there. It's like you're telling me these guys, these guys are gals too, but these warriors are legitimate badasses who you could literally impale them with a laser sword and they're like, yeah, I'll be all right because my anger is going to keep me alive like I'm the Incredible Hulk or something. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother with the logic. I'm just going to say this. When Qui-Gon Jinn got stabbed, he was caught off guard. But so was Reva. Or difference is that the Jedi aren't as angry people. So maybe they made their, he made his peace with his death. Where Reva is literally like so uh, stubborn. <laughs> it's like she has more of a will to survive. I'm like, you know what? Let's make it make sense. Sure, why not? These are space wizards anywhere. This is a fantasy show. This is not using actual logic. I'm not going to break my skull over it. I'm, it's, it's all magic, right? We're all dealing with space magic. So cool. Bet. Let's move on. Uh, do I think it's stupid? No, it makes perfect sense because nothing in Star Wars makes sense. Everything has its, its loophole or scapegoat, whatever you want to call it. Because when Darth Maul got sliced in half in the prequel series, he came back with spider legs and robotic legs. Like, there's always a, some slight... They use prop... They use... They don't over... They don't under... They don't just simplify it, but they don't over-explain it either. They're like, you know what? This is what we think it is. Deal with it. Do you, do you understand? Like, I mean, midichlorians. We forget they're canonical, but they never come up after that first film. They just never come up. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you just got to go with the flow. And I'm with it. These people are so damn evil. Their rage, just like the Hulk, will keep them going. So I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) 
So you really got to be ahead of Sith in order to kill one. That's straight up what happens to a lot of them anyway, so it makes sense how they go out. Make sure that you confirm date they're done. So here we move on where uh, Grand Quisitor was alive and he was part of he, he knew that she was going to turn on him the whole time. Raven doesn't die and then something feels odd. So Kenobi fears the boy is in danger, meaning Luke, because since they are trying to escape and he has a escape pod where he's trying to, they're trying to, the big the Star Destroyers, I guess, are just shooting at their escape ship, which is like this little rigged dink ship, and they're getting attacked by these giant, at, you know, battleships. You can, if you hear sound effects, people, there are fireworks outside. It is post Independence Day, and people are getting rid of their leftovers. It's annoying me, but I can't just keep pausing the video, so we're going to pretend that. The sound effects are the Star Destroyer shooting at the ship. Sure. Like. <laughs> so here we go. And so Kenobi fears the boys in danger in Tatooine. So he races back. So he separates from the ship in order to distract Vader, who's literally looking for Kenobi because he wants revenge at Kenobi. And he doesn't care about the other Jedi because he'll eventually hunt him down. So they're able to escape and... With the warp drive broken, they were able to fly off easily because they were solely focusing on Obi-Wan. And that's how we end the fifth episode. And we're going to take a small commercial break and we'll review the sixth and last episode of season finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And don't move. We'll be right back. What up, world? It's your boy, the Puerto Rican powerhouse, the Mike for Hire, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, the podcast mercenary himself, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're continuing the Disney Plus Star Wars exclusive series, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we are in episode five, titled Part Five. And man, has this show gotten crazy, crazy good. I mean, I'm ecstatic to see where this concludes, and there's so many, not questions, but definitely ideas of where they're taking the show so let's start off all right so we begin here where anakin has flashbacks he has or should i say lord vader uh back when he was anakin of him and obi-wan and showing their bond so again even if you never watched the film the prequel trilogy you kind of get some context of how they know each other and who he was how he looked like before he became the monstrous dark lord of the sith so that we move on to the third sister who is now the uh, i guess the grand inquisitor arrives at vader's and the tracker worked as she left on kenobi's ship and jabim so they're now tracing them to Japim, and she has now been granted officially the position of grand inquisitor by vader himself and kneels to officially kind of like being knighted or dark knighted because you know they're evil <laughs> so they head out to the path of jabim Obi-Wan and company arrive at a base that the Haja is already there at, and um, everyone they know that is attached to the path are all there. Yeah, I mean, it's funny how Haja, this guy, was this dude to just kind of like give him a hint of the right direction, even though he was trying to swindle and hustle them. And now he's there like, hey, once I gave information, I met that inquisitor that you crossed the path with and I, I think she was sending me death threats because i was trying to help you out so i had to i had to dip and that's what he did he he hopped on his ship and left the world and went off world to here where they're all in hiding because now he's an accomplice 
because eventually they were going to track him down and shake him up down for formation because let's let's be, let's be real here. That's exactly what they're going to do with a guy like weak guy like him, especially with the mind reading and all that stuff. He would have been easy pickings, easy target. So uh, they only have hours to evacuate before the Sith arrive because they already know the location and the Empire is arriving full force. So with that being said, uh, Lola, the little robot droid that Leia has, has been hacked and is short-circuiting their security. Uh, their sister was messing with it and turned it on them. So it's kind of like the little bit robot's blue eye turned red, signaling it's gone bad. You know, it's gone rogue. <laughs> so there's the beginning of the story of this episode. Uh, Obi-Wan gives a grand speech to calm everybody down that we can defend ourselves against the Sith if we just unite together as a team because it's only stronger when we're together and separate. And he really builds up the morale of the group there because they're all not really fighters a lot of them just commoners who some of them are force sensitive but again they're treating this similar to how the ancient egyptians were trying to find us uh moses like they're killing their firstborn son so similar to that biblical story that's how they're doing this whole thing with vader he's just taking out anybody that he deems strong enough with the force like even the slightest force sensitivities people who are just in tune with themselves, not so much Jedi level, but anybody that can possibly be trained to become one before a rebellion starting. So he's got the right idea how to take out his enemies, take them before he, they can even like develop and evolve. So he's taking out anybody who he can sense a whiff of the force on them. So the grand speech was great. They have no choice but to defend a stronghold uh, long enough to escape in their escape ship. So that's a whole different thing, trying to get the hatch open because the planet or moon or whatever they're on is going to get demolished. So Leia opts to help by crawling up a ladder space that she, of course, little kid can fit through little small vents. And this is where... Uh, when Cal and Roken, played by O'Shea Jackson Jr., is like, she's not going to go up there. She's 10 years old. She's a child. But Obi-Wan's like, hey, I trust this child with my life. If I can trust her, you can too. Get her a ladder so she can climb up there and do what she needs to do. She's got this. Because Leia, Leia's no ordinary 10-year-old. She's been through a lot. She's very mentally mature. Like, she is son of royalty. Like, she had to learn to self-survive in a world where she's constantly getting kidnapped and abducted by the enemy. So she's probably hardened to a lot of this because she's not acting like a typical 10-year-old in this circumstance. She's not freaking out by anything. She's like, all right, let's get this done. Let's go. <laughs> you know, like kind of like Lady Marmoth from a Game of Thrones, same type of character, like so many similarities with those two. So we move here where Tala feels guilty for all the Jedi she's helped cunt down because she was essentially working for the Empire, even though she was kind of a mole, but she was still doing a deed. Like, even though you're an insider, you're still doing the evils so you don't blow your own cover. So she feels very guilty because she was an ex accomplice to hunting down so many of her own people. Like, she was responsible for taking down fellow Jedi, and this is something she's got to live with. So... She feels guilty. She helped hunt them down because she didn't know they were going to all get executed. She thought they were going to get imprisoned. It was too late when that happened. So she lives with this, and that's why she is the way she is. So this is her her redemption arc where she's do, undoing all the bad she did for the Empire to kind of like make peace with her inner self. 
Uh, Bail Organa sends a call to see if everything's all right. Obi-Wan takes a call in private, even though he's underground somewhere helping these refugees because he has no heads up. Organa from Obi-Wan, like, where's my daughter? Is everything all right? And then he gives him a little pep talk of what's going on and kind of updates him on everything and where they're heading out to. So Vera and Obi-Wan have a conversation before they both sides duke it out, have a battle, big epic battle. Kind of like the two generals meet up in the battlefield to talk it out one last time and just, you know, pay respects. And it's a deep conversation because she was one of the younglings. You find out she was one of the younglings who survived Order 66. So she survived Order 66 and has lived with that guilt. Vera isn't trying to be part of Vader's inner circle, become a Sith. She's trying to take him down from the inside, similar to Tala is. So she is doing all this to get back at him. It's just vengeance. Pure Sith logic. Vengeance. She's powered by her own rage. And does that make her not a Jedi? No, of course it does make her a Sith. Because she's doing it out of vengeance and self. I mean, this whole thing has been one giant emotional wreck for her where she has not had control of her actions, she's driven, and even her own Inquisitors are more logical than her, which is something more of a Jedi trait than a Sith trait, because they're like, listen, there's no need for this full-on, like, berserker mode. Like, there's nobody here strong enough for us to even worry about. Where she's there like, oh, no, no, I'm taking and making sure everything's all set. And what she really was doing was training herself to be able to take down Vader, because she can take down Jedi, any Jedi, then she's able to take down the, the, the Dark Lord Sith himself. So we move on here, where uh, Vader's uh, getting ambushed. Mind you, Revva shows Vader the direction they're all heading out to. It's a big, epic battle. People are dying. And sadly, Ta- Tala does die. And, uh, she self-sacrificed by throwing a grenade. And had a robot droid that she had, like almost like a shield, and they had to escape because the door was closing on them. And we have casualties in both ends. So, it, again, the tends to term Star Wars. This isn't just something that's science fiction. Like you're going to get casualties on on, on that, both ends. So, Reva leads Vader in where they where they all have escaped to, uh, and then she tries to ambush him, but he uses the force push. He literally deadasses uses the force push to keep her at bay. Like he's just toying with her. That's how strong this man literally, as they were escaping the ship, forced brought the ship down, this big ship where everyone fits and just brought it down and, and tore its hull. But luckily apparently that was a decoy ship because there was another ship that came out of it, almost like an escape pod that they were ready to leave and they were able to escape. And then this is where we have uh, the epic battle between Reva and, and, and Invader and like her plans are being revealed. Invader always suspected her of being this way and they had this great battle. Like she has a double set of lightsaber and Vader like force grabs and splits in half with two lightsabers. Like that an equal duel here. And then in the end she gets stabbed by Vader and almost left her dead. And then you see the actual Grand Inquisitor coming and he's alive. Like didn't he just get impaled by her in the previous episodes? Well, apparently, uh, Reva didn't die either, but he didn't die because, um, I don't know if they explained it. The Sith are so full of rage 
that, that just a simple stab wound will not kill them because their their anger will feel them to live and fight them. That's some epic badass shit right there. It's like you're telling me these guys, these guys are gals too, but these warriors are legitimate badasses who you could literally impale them with a laser sword and they're like, yeah, I'll be all right because my anger is going to keep me alive like I'm the Incredible Hulk or something. I'm like, you know what? I'm not even going to bother with the logic. I'm just going to say this. When Qui-Gon Jinn got stabbed, he was caught off guard. And so was Reva. Or difference is that the Jedi aren't as angry people. So maybe they made their, he made his peace with his death. Where Reva is literally like so uh, stubborn <laughs> it's like she has more of a will to survive. I'm like, you know what? Let's make it make sense. Sure, why not? These are space wizards anywhere. This is a fantasy show. This is not using actual logic. I'm not going to break my skull over it. I'm, it's, it's all magic, right? We're all dealing with space magic. So cool, bet. Let's move on. Uh, do I think it's stupid? No, it makes perfect sense because nothing in Star Wars makes sense. Everything has its, its loophole. Or scapegoat, whatever you want to call it, because when Darth Maul got sliced in half in the prequel series, he came back with spider legs and robotic legs. Like, there's always a some slight. They use prop. They use. They don't over. They don't under. They don't just simplify it, but they don't overexplain it either. They're like, you know what? This is what we think it is. Deal with it. Do you? Do you understand? Like, I mean, midichlorians. We forget they're canonical, but they never come up after that first film. They just never come up. And you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes you just got to go with the flow. And I'm with it. These people are so damn evil. Their rage, just like the Hulk, will keep them going. So I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> so you really got to be ahead of Seth in order to kill one. That's straight up what happens to a lot of them anyway. So it makes sense how they go out. Make sure that you confirm date they're done. So here we move on where uh, Grand Crescent was alive and he was part of the, He knew that she was going to turn on him the whole time. Raven doesn't die, and then something feels odd. So Kenobi fears the boy is in danger, meaning Luke, because since they are trying to escape, and he has an escape pod where he's trying to, they're trying to, the big the Star Destroyers, I guess, are just shooting at their escape ship, which is like this little rinky dink ship, and they're getting attacked by these giant, at, you know, battleships you can see. If you hear sound effects, people, there are fireworks outside. It is post-Independence Day, and people are getting rid of their leftovers. It's annoying me, but I can't just keep pausing the video, so we're going to pretend that the sound effects are the Star Destroyer shooting at the ship. Sure. Like. <laughs> so here we go. And so Kenobi fears the boys in danger in Tatooine, so he races back. So he separates from the ship in order to distract Vader, who's literally looking for Kenobi because he wants revenge at Kenobi. And he doesn't care about the other Jedi because he'll eventually hunt him down. So they're able to escape, and with the warp drive broken, they were able to fly off easily because they were solely focusing on Obi-Wan. And that's how we end the fifth episode. And we're going to take a small commercial break, and we'll review the sixth and last episode of season finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And don't move. We'll be right back. <laughs> 